Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Now then, you're very welcome back. It is always a nice treat when Eric Donovan pops into studio. You're very welcome. Thanks, Phil. The Irish featherweight champion as well. I should give you your title. You were in action recently. A comfortable win? Yeah, a comfortable win over in Glasgow. Um, no trouble at all. Mm. I did think um, my opponent would present a bit of a challenge, but no, no, he wasn't interested. He was more interested in hitting himself, banging his chest and goading me and banging his gloves, but he really wasn't up to much. And Does that make it a disheartening night for you then? Uh, yeah, kind of, because like it's a shutout points win, but he was only in the ring to survive. He was never in it to try and win in any way, shape or form. And he probably um, sees that as, well, that is a success. He's a journeyman, so by him lasting the full fight, and not getting knocked out or stopped means he can fight the following week or the week after and he can continue to bring in money so, and revenue and that's his career and that's his livelihood and I kind of after the fourth round I kind of recited to that fact and I said ah, I'll allow you to earn a few pop next week as well. I did, like, you can get careless as well and try and do something really crazy and you could hurt your hands then or get cut or you know you don't know they're looking for the jackpot yeah, now, trying to lure you in and coming with a big wild swing or whatever so I just kind of said look you Six rounds in the bank and we move forward. You did the professional thing almost. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you saying to, uh, there was a quote in the 42.ie recently where you said, I'm getting a bit restless. I thought when I won the Irish title live on TG Carr last March, mm. we were at liftoff point and it mm. just never happened. And you also said insurance in Ireland, ridiculous as well. There have been 13 or 14 MMA shows in the three arenas since the last boxing show was there. Mm-hmm. So liftoff hasn't happened. No, because my two subsequent fights from, from the Irish title fight uh, were one in London and one in Glasgow. Huge expenses on me. Um, Explain that to people, because people will be surprised at this. Well, first of all, I had to f- fly my team and myself to London mm. uh, to fight in the York Hall. I had to pay my opponent's purse. That's the bit that surprised me. Why do you have yeah. to pay your opponent's purse? Uh, because I don't have big promoter or big sponsor behind me even though I would have a few sponsors who do chip in and I, I do have to use that kind of sponsorship money as well to kind of help cover expenses hotels flights and maybe your first kind of your first kind of uh, revenue to, to pay for expenses is your ticket sales but ticket sales uh, for me in Ireland are good but when I'm going to London and I'm going to Glasgow, it's, it's far more difficult because not only have you, try, you have to try and sell tickets, you have to try and get people to pay for a flight now and pay for a hotel as well. So, um, and why is it you're paying your opponent's purse and he's not paying your purse? Well, because I'm looking for him to fight. Now, if, it, if an opponent in, if a promoter and a fighter in Spain wants to fight me and they want to fly me to Spain, they'll have to pay me. And I'll have to agree to the purse. They'll offer me a purse or whatever, and I'll say yes or no. And, and do you get offers? Yeah, I do. I, I, I actually, last October, agreed to a purse to fight for the European Union title against Carlos Ramos, the Spaniard, mm-hmm. EU champion. The purse wasn't great, but I said, you know what, this is my chance. I go into his backyard, agreed to fight in a, a casino in Madrid, and I know I've got a beating of him, and I'll win that European title, mm. and it'll be even more impressive because I'll do it in, his, in Spain, in his backyard, I know I'll bring a bit of a crowd with me too. And I'll come back and defend it in Ireland, you know? Mm. And, you know, I'll capitalise on it then and, you know... That'd build be the lift-off you're yeah, talking about, yeah. yeah. But right at the 11th hour when we were about to announce this uh, fight to, to, to the country, um, 
he opted to to fight a a much softer opponent. Yeah. And uh, it was is so disheartening and disappointing. But at the other side of it, it was reassuring as well because I know I'm in the conversations now for these negotiations for these kind of fights. But there's been nothing of that caliber coming through since then, has there? No, not really. And do like, they, do they look at you as? Mm. Well, he's from Ireland, small population. He's not going to bring you're not going to bring thousands over, and also he's dangerous. We've got to watch this guy because actually I'm taking a risk here fighting him. Do you think that's going on? Yeah, like I don't think people will be eager to fight me, like you know, unless there's like, I don't know, I'd probably have to work myself into maybe a mandatory position. Um, I don't think people are going to be too keen on spending their their voluntary defence against me. You know, they won't like if there's if I'm in the middle of say 10, a pool of 10 boxers, they're not going to select me of the 10 to defend their title against. Well, I would pick the one that I'm going to beat. Exactly. So there you go. Uh, I think I'm a tricky opponent uh, for people. Um, so where does that leave you? How, how close are you, for instance, to get to that mandatory challenging point? Well, I have my next fight locked in for the 1st of February next year, and that's against a really good opponent. Um, and where's that on, Eric? That's in uh, the Devonish Complex in Belfast. First uh, of February, locked in. It was announced yesterday, day before yesterday. Sorry, mm. and uh, already the it's great because my last two fights were in Glasgow and London, but now I'm back on the island of Ireland, yeah, and uh, car. yeah, there's a lot of orders coming in for tickets straight away, which is great, you know, because as you spoke about there, my Irish title win back in March of this year, you know, 350 plus tickets sold, you know, and you think like, okay, we're onto something here now. Let's, you know, it's only a matter of a couple more fights, and you have. You know, you're talking 500, 600, maybe even a thousand people coming to watch it. You know, so like, that's that's where I was thinking. That was the vision I had. So hopefully, we can get back to there. I think 2020 is going to be my year. It has to be. If it's not, I don't think I'm. I'm, I'm I mean this. I'm 35 next year. I'm getting married next July. Um, I'm not going to go into 2021 if I'm not in a strong position as mandatory for a European title or a world intercontinental title or a world ranking title. Or if I don't have one of them already, you know, if I'm not there, I'm not. I, I don't want to keep running to stand still mm. because it's tough enough. You want to be rewarded for 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 your graft. I'm sure it is because I was struck in the piece you did with Vincent Hogan recently. Brilliant piece, you and Thank Kenneth Egan, and and people should still read it. It's on the Irish Independent website. And as ever, you're honest and interesting, and thoughtful, and you, you both are come through really interesting places. Yeah, and, and kind of. It's, it's lovely you found each other now at the moment, but yeah. I guess him, him, you're conscious that he's given up all his time as well. Yeah. But you said to Vincent at one stage, when you're talking about having to pay the purse of your opponent, mm. that if you're looking maybe to find fight somebody in the top 20 in the mm. world, they might be looking for 10 grand from you. Possibly, yeah. And you haven't got 10 grand falling out of your pockets. Nope. So in that sense, not much you can do there. No, no. So I gotta like hope that I can um, probably sit down next year with my sponsors who have been really, really great to me and very uh, loyal and uh, and consistent and they've, they've shown me great backing and support so far. And who are but they? I might who, have to, who in particular? Uh, have been good? In particular, there's there's a couple of them there that are that are in in behind me for the for the full haul, and that's a uh, Liffey Crane Hire, Kendra Civil Engineering, Irish Stairs and Bathrooms, A and A Pharmacy, Atai, and. Uh, there's a new sponsor that's after coming on board, Novo Technologies. And these guys are, are throwing in financial sponsorship for every fight. So I might have to sit down with these next year. And we work together on, 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 on trying to put something together like to, to uh, appeal to one of these top level okay. fighters or attract them. So because there's no point throwing in a couple of 
a couple of bob every now and then and we're just kind of staying to be the let's let's, let's let's invest here let's yeah. let's go and 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 give entice a big give name a, give Eric yeah. a chance give yeah. him a shot because at least we'll know then for mm. if we're good enough or not you know i saw you say as well i'd hate to think that it won't work out that would be awful <laughs> well it's terrible to to think like that because when i went pro in the first place it was a little it was more about redemption because you know of my everything i won as an amateur mm. i'd done all of that while being in a very difficult place in life and being bound by shackles and um, drama followed me and SH1T was just <laughs> in my shadow all the time and I just seemed to really uh, live a dysfunctional life. And, and when, I, when, I got, when I broke out of that shackles and I got myself into a very good place and I went back into education and everything, I was three years retired. One of the, one of the voices that just kept talking to me was, Eric, you go back, go back, you've redemption, you've won more round, you've won more fight. Um, close the book in your terms, you know. You're still young, you're now mature, you've now, you know, you've learned an awful lot, you know, there's a, there, there's a chance that you could achieve something here, you know. So it was kind of like that, right, redemption. And what goal I set for myself was Irish title. I've completed that. Okay. But typical, typical athlete, typical high achiever, never content, never happy. I've got there and now I want more. So I think I can, I think I can win a European title. Mm -hmm. But who knows? For you, do you think that would be working out? That's it, worked out? If you I think that European would be title. my Everest. Yeah. And I'd be really content with that. Now, I'm not saying if I got there, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, right, I'm done. No, if I got there, I'd take anything after that. So you said if it, if it doesn't work out, that would be awful. Will you be able to live with it if it doesn't work out? I would, yeah, because I'll tell you what. I try to look at life not only from the lens of boxing. I look at life now as a, as a whole. As a, I'm going to be a husband next year. Mm. You know, I'm a father. Um, and I look at all of the things that are in my life, the wonderful people that are in my life, uh, the, the wonderful life I live, and uh, the peace of mind I have, mm. uh, my health. You know, these are all things that are so important to me and that people look for me to help them out. Like today I was speaking in a school in Dunboyne to 200 plus students and you could hear a pin drop for 40 minutes. And what, does, what does that do to you? Oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, there's a bit of giggling going on at the start, but as soon as I open my mouth and I, I get my introduction, just, just silence. Mm. I mean, I know people can relate to me because it's not unusual. My life story and my background is not unusual. Yeah. It's not uncommon. You know, there's plenty of people out there in the same boat. And um, what do you think? There's a rawness and a realness to it. I know, and we, we, we talked in this studio and you've done interviews elsewhere and, and it's very apparent. What do you think the kids you're speaking to connect to the most? Have you noticed any patterns in that regard? Yeah, I think it's... Um, when I, t when, I, when I talk about not liking myself and not uh, growing up wanting to be somebody else, mm. wanting to uh, self-destruct, rash, that type of thing. And the mistakes, they relate to the mistakes. And I try to tell them that like mistakes are a part of life. You have to fail. You have to face rejection. You have to be humiliated and embarrassed at times. That's all part of character building. It's inevitable. It's, 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 you can't escape it. If you want to be successful, you can't do that. You can't be successful without any of these experiences. So go and do it and, 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 and you know, keep knocking the doors. 
You know, if one closes, say, thanks very much, no problem, move on and, mm. you know, keep going and eventually you will get there. But I think there was a part of that, there's something I said to him today which is very important and it's funny, it just come on to this. Sometimes in life, if we are lucky enough to be chosen as a person who, from by a friend, uh, if we are lucky enough to be chosen as someone who they want to share something personal with, mm. we should seize that opportunity to just listen and to not try and come up. You're not a messiah. You're not a guru. You don't have to have some magical answers or you know conclusion to this. Just mm. listen. See it as a privilege and see it as an honor and just listen. And then say to your friend, I'm here with you mm. and we'll journey with this together. That's all. Because sometimes people are too quick to reply, especially when when someone is sharing something yes. very personal with them. Um, Does any part of you worry that if it doesn't work out and you don't win the European belt and you have to say goodbye to it for all the annoying, murky political reasons that go with boxing, that you'll be consumed with frustration and you'll struggle to cope with that and deal with that and that will be a, a big issue for you? Not at all, no. And uh, even probably sometimes it's, it, it probably seems that I'm portraying that uh, to the world. But I'm not. I'm just being openly honest. A lot of people would be prudent about their desires and their wishes. They might just keep it in-house or to their own team. I really want a shot at the title. Yeah. But if I don't get it, I don't get it. Like I said, there's a lot more things that are far more important in life. Um, but I'm enjoying coaching now. I've, I've, I've made my... Uh, elite amateur coach and debut this year and I, uh, on my debut year I, um, uh, I helped to coach Jude Gallagher to uh, elite title, elite champion, mm. not only winning the elite title but uh, crowned the best boxer at 18 years of age of the elite championships. That gave you a rush? Abs absolutely brilliant, loved it because I was tr planning his program alongside my own program <laughs> and it's just, I'm a glutton for punishment at times but you know it was a challenge and a, a journey and I really loved it and I left a wedding on the Friday night a couple of weeks ago to, to go to his first fight. I left a wedding in Kilkenny to drive to Dublin. Mm. I left a wedding, I left uh, after the starter, uh, I got the starter meal and uh, drove to Dublin. I can't really complain too much about that because I wasn't able to eat the mains. I was coming down on the weight myself, you know, for my own fight. But yeah. drove to Dublin, Jew got the job done. Yeah. I back to Kilkenny, back into the suit and carried on to the party. <laughs> so yeah. for you, it's, it's not like you're somebody who at 34 has um, put your whole life into this and this is all you have and you're defined by it and it's everything. It's no. a kind of healthy desire. I really want to do this. I'm being open about the fact healthy that I Healthy desire, do it, yeah. But yeah. I'm not going to be sitting there at 40 going, yeah, I hate, no. the, I hate the world. Not at all. No, no, no. Jesus, well, no. That's, good. that's good. That's a good mm. place to be then. Yeah. Upfront about the desire, but it's not yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah, I know, absolutely. And I, like I say, I love coaching and I'll, I'll probably go back into college, get my degree in counselling and that and work in that area. Um, I, I can see myself just being in that area, around that area, mm. uh, the area of health and well-being and, and, and counselling, psychotherapy, that type of stuff. So I think uh, I might have something to offer there. And, but also it's very rewarding as well, so I like that. Yeah, I'm sure you've picked Kenny Egan's brain on it. Yeah. He's, in, he's in that world. He's he is, he is, yeah. he is, yeah. yeah. So we'd have a lot in common, yeah, so it's pretty good, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So the fight in Belfast, where can people get info on tickets? Uh, any of my social media platforms, um, just just get in touch, yeah, it's online. If you type in the, the 1st of February, Devonish Complex, Celtic Clash 10, it's called Celtic Clash 10, you will, you, you know, you should get all the details there. But uh, just remember that like each boxer has an allocation of tickets, so if you can get them from me, I'd be very grateful for that. So, um, Great. Yeah. Simple to do. We did want to pick your brain because you're also, I mean, anytime we've seen you or had you in doing analysis, you're mm. a brilliant eye for fighting. Mm. You can explain so much to us. And people mm. are obviously looking forward to Joshua against Andy Ruiz, yep. part two. Here's just a little reminder of the first fight. The US debut for the man regarded by most to be the best heavyweight in the world. Anthony. Very little about Ruiz. This guy who looks like he just rolled in from the pub. I thought AJ was way too big, way too strong for him. Let's get ready to rumble! What a setting for AJ's US launch pad. Yeah, so it was kind of extraordinary. So they're in Saudi Arabia. The term sports washing went into the Oxford Dictionary in 2018, and that's certainly been thrown at both fighters in the build-up to this fight, that they're fighting in Saudi Arabia and taking all the money. 50 million Saudi Arabia principality has handed over to stage this fight, despite uh, Amnesty International and various other organizations saying, really, the country is as oppressive, if not more oppressive than ever. So that's been thrown at them. They've brushed those things aside. and. The Hearns have said, well, it's above our pay grade to answer those questions and they're just trying to get in and get out and take the money as uh, tends to happen. We'll hear from the two fighters. They were obviously in, um, in uh, doing uh, open training sessions today. So we'll start with Joshua, if we have Joshua. So here's Anthony Joshua talking this afternoon, last few hours. He's been on my mind five weeks prior to June 1st because that's when he came in as a replacement. And he's going to be on my mind forever because all of these boys, uh, we're all going to fight anyway. Me and Andrew Ruiz, if he's dedicated to the game, we'll definitely see each other a third time down the line as well. This ain't going to be the last time I see Andrew Ruiz in the ring. So you think even if you, you get the win this time around, there's every chance you'll face him in a, in a third match in the future? Yeah, because I think we make for good fights. I think there's definitely going to be a knockout in that fight as well. And I think that's what the people want to see is bloodshed and knockout. So I think we'll definitely see each other a third time. And you're 100% confident you're the man going to be getting the knockout this time around? Yeah. If God calls it, that's what's going to happen. I feel it in my heart, I'm confident, and I believe in myself. So yeah, I'm going to be victorious. You're looking a little bit leaner. Are you going to be looking for more speed in this fight, do you think? I'm quick anyway. I'm not really looking for anything except for the win. That's the objective. It's not about speed. It's not about nothing else. The objective is just to win, win, win. When everyone's making their prayers, please put me in your prayer because that energy is important. I'm going to be victorious. We're going to trade lever, and as I said, this ain't going 12 rounds. That's Anthony Joshua. Here's Andy Ruiz. We've been training really hard. We've been working on different stuff. So the speed, the pressure, the angles, everything that we've been working on, hopefully December 7th, we're going to get that victory. The old saying goes that uh, if it's not broken, then don't fix it. So what have you been doing that is different this time around? Just been doing the same thing, you know, just training, doing a little bit of different adjustments. But 
Uh, we got all the tools, we got all the same things, so right now we're just focused, mentally ready for December 7th. You came and gave us a knockout first time around. How confident are you you're going to do it again? You know what, I never predict a knockout, but if it comes, it comes. I'm just prepared to win and, you know, use all my tools that I have. So I got to take advantage of being here and I just want to thank everybody here in Saudi Arabia. And how proud are you to be coming here with all those belts, being the world champion and putting them on the line again on Saturday night? I'm really proud. You know, I've been working for my whole life since I was six years old to become the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. And you know what? It came a long way. We've been through a lot of different obstacles and roller coasters in my life. And I just thank God. And, you know, I'm really excited to be here. That is Andy Ruiz, who put Joshua on the canvas four times in seven rounds in the first fight. There were all sorts of rumours, Eric Donovan, about Joshua after the first fight, that he had been hurt in sparring, that he'd had a panic attack in the dressing room just before the fight. Mm. Nothing confirmed. It's hard not to think there's no smoke without some fire here, but we don't know exactly where he was. Did he look off to you? Um, not particularly, no. But he looked like he was finding it very difficult from the opening round to deal with with Ruiz. Like, he's a, like if you look at the last four guys that, Joshua has been in the ring with Povetkin, Parker, Takam, Klitschko, you know, big men, mm. you know, and next minute he's in against a small, you know, what's a, he's six foot two, you know. Um, he's got a height advantage of four inches over him. He's got four inches of him, yeah. but like, it wouldn't be unusual either to be hurt in sparring. You know, that's, it's heavyweight boxing. It's happened you're, to him before, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's quite, you're going to get but, hurt. But the point was maybe he'd been knocked out and he wasn't quite recovered. I heard, heard the reports that he was knocked out as well. And if he was then, like, that definitely would have a, some sort of an impact, maybe psychologically. Like, but I did notice from the very opening round, um, I thought the tactics from Ruiz were spot on. Joshua went straight onto the back foot, as he does anyway. He tries to, like, you know, keep it at at arm's length, he wants to have a look. And the commentary team were kind of like, Joshua's just having a look at his guy, sizing him up, but I actually felt that Joshua wasn't in control from the opening round. Ruiz was in control, he was taking the centre of the ring and he was walking around, his boxing IQ was very, very high, Ruiz. He actually was orchestrating the fight. He had Joshua, he was, he was more or less leading him around the ring. And this all expends energy. Mm. Joshua's on the back foot, you know, he's staying out of trouble, but he's on the back foot constantly. Mm. and. Um, what is it that and Ruiz, Ruiz is orchestrating it. Yeah, so orchestrating is an interesting word. What is it that Ruiz is doing that's enabling him to orchestrate it? He's intelligently, he's, he's, it's called aggressive intelligence, aggressive intelligence, you know. Um, he's being aggressive uh, and he's doing it in a very intelligent way by um, pressing, by forcing the initiative, but not expending energy. Okay. The person on the back foot is retreating and they're having to think more. So they're expending more energy than the person on the front foot. Mm. Um, and is Joshua regarded as an intelligent fighter in the same way? He's in he is intelligent, but I don't think he's as intelligent in the, sen in, in the kind of natural, naturally born boxer like Tyson Fury or Ruiz. I would put Ruiz in the same bracket as Tyson Fury. They just have something you cannot teach. Where Joshua joined boxing, I think it was 18 years old. You know, so had a lot of attributes and abilities that that kind of set him up to be um, developed from there on in. Um, and in some ways, he looks like a manufactured mm. type fighter as opposed to a natural, 
naturally born, gifted, elusive type fighter like Ruiz or Tyson Fury. Um, and that's what um, went against him in this fight because he's so robust and so robotic and even f even for what he has achieved has been unbelievable as well and he is an incredible athlete there's, like he's an unbelievable athlete in terms but there's for what he has in strength and robust and physique and that type of stuff he lacks in other areas like in elusivity and agility and you know Andy Ruiz had these in abundance and even when Ruiz got hit by Joshua in the f and, and probably an element of Joshua underestimating him too yeah in the third round when Joshua did, did let go caught him with the left hook and put he put uh, Ruiz on his backside. Mm. Ruiz had this look, even on the ground, as a guy that was defeat, defleted, down, but not out. You could tell, even the look in his face, he was disappointed with himself for getting caught. Yeah. But he wasn't hurt. He wasn't discombobulated or anything like that. Um, and what did he do when he got up? He didn't retreat. He straight back on him, straight back on him and stuck it on him mm. and actually caught Joshua then. And so, so people who've looked at this fight or, or even just looked at the two physiques and mm. thought to themselves, well, this was, maybe there was something off with Joshua and mm. like your man, okay, look, he's got skills, but this was like a one-off thing. This ain't happening again. That is to misread it in your opinion. Ruiz is a serious operator. Oh, without a doubt. Joshua had 22 wins. 22, one of those wins were knockouts. The only one he didn't knock out was Joseph Parker. He beat Joseph Parker on a wide points decision. Uh, but, like I said, you think Joshua knocked out Klitschko, knocked out Povetkin, mm. knocked out uh, Dylan White, knocked out T Carlos Takam, knocked all these guys out. Yeah. Dominic Brazil, he didn't knock out Parker. And Parker lost, or uh, Ruiz, Andy Ruiz lost to Parker only a few fights before the Joshua won in a, a very, very close time time, uh, points decision, majority decision. Mm. So he ran Parker very close as well. So he had to be respected. And his record as well is unbelievable. 33 wins himself and 22 of those are knockouts. Yeah. So that, you know, that has to account for something. Uh, but I, I do think they overlooked him a little bit. Mm. Um, but he, it was great to see... Because I looked at it again today from the, for the purpose of analysis, like to come in and have this chat. And even looking back, and I know hindsight is great now, but you can actually see the determination in his eyes, the hunger. There was no stopping him. Because even in the seventh round when he'd done him, Joshua threw his best punch for probably three or four rounds, landed a cracking left hook on Ruiz's chin. And Ruiz's response was, to open up, it was almost like Joshua just walking the beast, mm. and he 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 retaliated with an onslaught that just put Joshua over. And for that moment, in that split second when Joshua caught him with that hook, yeah. Joshua looked to be—you could see it in his eyes—he looked to be like, "Oh, I have this guy," but no, backfired on him straight away. Joshua has said that he's adopted a prison mindset. <laughs> he spent his 30th birthday in digs in Sheffield. He cut out salt. He's taken this all very seriously. You mentioned him being almost muscle-bound. He's slimmed down. He's a smaller man now. He looks le less boxy almost. So, yeah. so maybe that's a good thing. But he said he has watched the fight back. It's interesting you talk about watching the fight back today. He said he's watched the fight back literally dozens of times in slow motion. So I'm really curious to see what's he going to see and what's he going to do differently? Say Ruiz is thinking to himself, well, that worked well the last time. I'm going to, as you've described it, orchestrate things from the middle of the ring, put this guy in the back foot. What's Joshua going to come up with this time around, I wonder? Well, I don't think Joshua can adapt to a different style than what he all, 
what he, what he no normally has. That's just him now. He's just a, yeah, Joshua is a kind of a, he's an upright type of fighter. Good jab, very good jab. Tries to keep his distance. He's not a, he's not a forward fighter. He's not, a, he's not an attacker. Yeah. Um, he has an eight inch uh, reach yeah, on He's Ruiz, a brilliant reach. So he should be able to keep yeah, an arm's length. He should. Literally. He should, yeah, in fairness. Like, that would be a very important uh, tactic if I was his coach, the jab. The jab has got to be uh, almost like a fencer, you know. Uh, c continually keep it out there, keep it out there, keep it on his face, on his head. Even if you're not hitting him with it, just keep it there to keep him thinking. Yeah. Um, because when Ruiz gets in, you see the speed of his hands. Unbelievable. What's really interesting, I was looking at the corner work mm. uh, from Joshua's uh, coach, uh, Rob McCracken. Yeah. Um, in the corner, like I think it was after the third round, uh, the first thing Joshua said to him, even though McCracken was talking and, and giving advice, Joshua said, uh, "What shot did he catch me with?" Wow. You know. Uh, so that's serious. That's where his head was at. Because he doesn't. He, he you, wasn't listening to. Yeah, go on. You, well, you look. You look at Ruiz, and you think, well. He doesn't, he obviously he looks how he looks and we can all be superficial about that, but you would think, well, Joshua should tire this guy out and move around the ring. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that, you know, fitness is, can be deceptive. Yeah. Uh, but two, the hand speed, like, so you're saying he said, what, ha what, what shot did he catch me with? Yeah. That can't be normal to come across that kind of speed for him. Like, are we talking exceptional, exceptional hand speed? Here? Yeah, very, very, very fast hand speed. One of the fastest, like, heavyweights out there at the moment, you know, um, without a doubt. Um, and, yeah, and this was a pattern that went on between the rounds. So, like, it's like, um, McCracken was, was speaking to Josh Joshua. Joshua wasn't really listening to what he was saying, mm. but Joshua was thinking about, these were the questions Joshua was asking. Mm. In, the, in the next round, or one or two rounds after, was it a hook, he asked. Was it a hook? Then after that, it was, um, he was asking his coach, what will Ruiz come out and do then in the next round? I remember that. Yeah, what will he come out and do? It was incredible, yeah. Like, Here's an Olympic How, champion. Work it out yourself. Yeah, you here's an Olympic saying, yeah. champion, a unified heavyweight champion who can't think for himself in this particular fight. I'm not saying I don't know about the rest, but he can't think. You have to have your own instinct. Mm. You have to have your own intuition. Do you know, you have yes, to yes, know yes. You have to know what to be able to do. He, he sounded like a child when he said it. There you go. He did. There he was you like, go. Like, what, what do I do? What's, yes. what's happening? What does, yes. What's he going to Completely do? Completely looking for reassurance. And I know that it is, as a boxer, you're never more vulnerable in the ring, mm. especially when you're under the cosh and things are not going your way. You know, it's a scary place. It's a scary place. Yeah. And you do need reassurance. Mm. But it just looked like very early on, this is the kind of guy, it looked like he was looking for it from the from start, from the very, very start. Mm. And the last thing was, um, uh, what shots will I catch him with? Yeah, he, he, was, uh, he, he did not know what to do. He was lost. He was lost. And at the end, I think it was of the fourth or fifth round, um, Joshua was walking, um, walking around the ring. He was spent. He had no energy left. Mm. Um, and just, I, I think it was, uh, there was something that Andy Ruiz did was, was just really special, and I like to see it. Um, of all of Joshua's opponents in the past, and they're good, Pavetkin, Olympic champion, you know, Klitschko, another Olympic champion, they all lacked something, which is a desire and in, an in, an intent to win, because they had Joshua under the cosh. Even Pavetkin had Joshua at one stage. Takum caused them, you know, trouble too. But they never showed any intent. Mm. Ruiz was like a dog with a bone. He was not letting go. When he seen Joshua hurt, he jumped on him, and. Near the end of the third round, 
first of all, Joshua knocks Ruiz. Ruiz gets up and knocks Joshua. Things kind of settle down for a minute and there's about 10 seconds left at the end of the third round. And Ruiz portrays like he's just, he's had enough, he's going away for the bell. Joshua believes him, kind of lacks a daisy himself and Ruiz is in like a light and smacks him. Mm. This is brilliant. This is <laughs> high level. This is a talk about boxing IQ. Mm. This is clever. This is smart. And this shows um, how intelligent and how, you know, how tactically sound yes. Ruiz was and because he flattened Joshua yeah. at the end of that round. And that's kind of a fascinating picture you, you paint of the world heavyweight champion with three belts turning around to his coach and saying, mm. what shots do I have to throw to catch him? Mm. So is it possible in your opinion for the coach to say, well, based on what I can see, I think if you throw right hook, faint first right hook, that will catch him. If as a boxer you don't see that yourself and you're just doing it almost in the blind faith of, well, I'm going to faint and throw the right hook, mm. is it possible to really execute it properly then? Do you almost need to see the shot yourself to throw it? Or ca can he rely on his coach mm. to go, do this, this and this and that should work for you? Yeah, sometimes in the corner you just need simple instructions. Uh, Joshua's coach was trying to keep it simple. He was just trying to say, look, Joshua, we can win this fight. We can win this fight. We just have to stick to the simple. Get back to your jab, throw one, two every now and then. Mm. Back to your jab, one, two. Now, there's nothing more simple than that. Very good advice. It's good enough advice. Yeah. But at the same time, he was trying to, like, trying to show Joshua or tell Joshua that, you know, that we can do this, mm. trying to get him to believe. Mm. It's, that's, that's your number one priority in the corner as well, is to get your boxer to believe. Because if your boxer doesn't believe, mm. and at that, at that time, mm. it looked like Joshua didn't believe anymore. Yeah. And it, it, you know, listening to you now, it, the, the quote from him of saying, I've watched this fight back yeah. dozens of times in slow motion, yeah. takes on an extra resonance. It's like There's, he's trying to go back and see, yeah. wait, what happened? Yeah. So I, w I mean, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see if he sees mm -hmm. the same patterns from Ruiz again. Yeah. To uh, get a prediction from you then, this sounds, I mean, look, Joshua's career is kind of on the line in it some is. respects here. Um, some I, res I don't the know. The level he's operating yeah, on, Yeah, probably like his, his, what would you say, his legacy or something in, that, in terms of like, he's a chance to redeem himself. He is, oh, he'll always be the unified world champion, yeah. Olympic champion. You can't take these things away from him. If he loses again, will he fight again? Yeah, he'll fight again. There's fight, big fight. Fight Ruiz again though. Um, not sure about that. If he wins, I'd say it might have a third. F if Ruiz wins, or Josh if Joshua wins, there could be He's a trilogy. There, yeah. um, I think if Ruiz wins, there might Joshua might need to look a different route. Likes of Tyson Fury, uh, Wilder. These are they're still big fights yes. for him. Yeah. Um, but it depends on the fashion he gets put away. Now he got put away in pretty dramatic fashion the last time. Like he was really discombobulated. He was he didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he was in the corner. Um, and that was a mixture of power and speed from Ruiz, like, you know, coming at him, like, like Joshua, what did he hit me with? Yeah. You know, that just explains the speed. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, but I... What's prediction. What's prediction, yeah, What's I know you're happen? looking for a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I love talking to you, but as yeah. ever, the clock is against us when we right. do. So prediction. What are we, I think Ruiz again. Wow. I think Ruiz again, because I think Ruiz took Joshua's best. And you know what? He looked at him and came back. Mm. The only thing that I think could go against Ruiz is how much hunger is there this time. He's the champion now. He's a lot of fame, a lot of glory, a lot of money. Mm. Sometimes that can have, you don't know how, how that changes a person's life. You'd like to think he's still new to it all to think, God, I'm really hungry not to give this up just yet. I would like to think that. And I think he, he has a good coach as well. And he has, um, he has, you know, he might have good people around him. 
and he seems like a humble guy and a really nice guy. He's lost uh, a little bit of weight. Yeah, which is no harm, but I don't think he needs to go too dramatic, like, you know, because, um, you know, it, it's helping him. It's helping him in a lot of ways. There's a lot of power behind what he does, you know. He still has that... Did you, see the, did you ever see the training videos of him running through the ladder and jumping over the hurdles before the Joshua fight? You should check it out. No, he he's like a life flyweight. Is he really? Yeah. Because he only had five weeks notice for that, which explained his yeah. conditioning a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He should tighten up a little bit, but not too much. But um, yeah, I just think if, if, if he has, this, if he has the, even the same desire mm. in the first fight, he, 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 should, he should be able to do Joshua again, I think. Really? I just don't wow. think... I just presumed Joshua was going to win this fight again. Oh yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no, sorry. I had just uh, listen. I know a, a, a millionth of what you know about boxing. Let me no, I know. Here. Yeah. But it just any time an eleven to one underdog yeah. catches the favorite, mm. and then there's rumors the favorite wasn't right. In any sport, you say, well, the favorite will get him the next time. Yeah. So I think Andy Ruiz is a very, very, very clever, intelligent boxer. Yeah. Not only that, he has the skills and the ability to back it up. He's already done it once. I think he can do it again and I will not be surprised. But if Joshua does him, mm. I'll also be like, no, I tell you what, I'll be impressed with Joshua. I said, wow, well done. What a comeback. Fair play to you. Uh, but I just don't know if he has it in him. I really don't know. I'm looking forward to this now. Okay. Listen, great to have you in as ever. And look, plenty of people are saying things like John and from Roy. How could you not root for Eric Donovan? He's refreshing in an industry that's often shady and money hungry. And the secret of a good trainer is having the attention, trust and respect of their fighters. Eric has natural charisma and magnetism. My God, and magnetism. Listen to this. I'm like a magnet. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, good to have you in. Thank Again, you. good luck in Belfast. I'd say we'll check in before then and enjoy the fight on Saturday. Good man. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Cheers. Appreciate it. Good man. Off the ball. Find us on Twitter at Off The Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.